We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So it is mailbag time, Mr. Robertson. We want to get those questions in there, folks. So we're going to jump to the mailbag. John A1 with a super chat. Here's to fighting cancer. Go Irish. John, I will put this super chat towards tomorrow's uh, show as well. So let's get to some questions here, Ryan. John A1, we'll start off with John. He says, where does the Notre Dame offense stand at 23? That will tell the answers to where Notre Dame ranks as a program since 2017. I believe the Notre Dame defense has been a top five program level, but the offense has been more top 20 program level since then. This year, I believe the offense can make up a jump, and Notre Dame can truly be a top five level on both sides of the ball if the defense can hold up. It, it Indy is a contender. What are your thoughts on that, Ryan? I mean, I, I think, John, you, I feel like it's kind of weird because Notre Dame's coming off a year, Brian, where like they were still a pretty good defense. You know, like we talked about, it definitely still needs to cap, obviously keep improving. But Notre Dame only averaged 31 points per game last year offensively. So you look at that, and you're just kind of like, there's question marks there. But I look at where this roster is offensively. I have high expectations for what the offense is going to do this year, man. I mean, top 10 team, I, I, th- I think it's very possible. Top five, I mean, let's see how everything obviously meshes early on in the season and obviously where it continues to mature and adapt, kind of you know, moving through the season. But with Sam Hartman at quarterback, with the wide receivers, with the talent that you now have in that room, with the running backs back, with the offensive line being one of the better offensive lines that you should have in college football this year, I think the offense has a chance to make a gigantic uh, jump, John. I agree 100%. So, you know, we talked about it. You know, are we talking 36, 37 points a game? Are we talking about more? I mean, that's the questions that I have as far as just how big of a jump. But I think it's going to be a drastic jump in 2023. Like, there's no doubt in my mind in that regard. I do find it fascinating that there's just this assumption that the offense is going to be way better than the defense and that the defense is going to be the side of the ball that holds Notre Dame back. I, I really find that interesting, right? I get why. It's it's not it's not a question mark. I'm not like I can't believe people have the audacity to say it. I completely get it. I, I I think when you look at what this team was last year, the the concerning thing for me is is this, Ryan, is Notre Dame was not a very good offense last year. They ranked 39th in the country in efficiency, and they just they they weren't good. You can make all the excuses in the world that you want, but the reality is, is they they just they just weren't that good. They rank 39th in efficiency. The problem is the defense ranked 31st. And and that the thing is for me is where like offensively, you can at least feel like there's some level of trajectory coming forward, going forward, and and you just that you don't necessarily have on defense. 
and, and because you don't know if the things that happened last year are going to get fixed. Like Notre Dame ranked 11th in in defensive efficiency in, in 2021 under Marcus Freeman. They were 24th in 2020. Uh, I think 2019 they were they were high again. They were sixth in 2019, and in 2018 they were 20th. So, which I thought was low. I thought that defense was a lot better than their than their rankings were that year, efficiency wise. But I just feel like the concern I have is Notre Dame as a program is I don't want them to get in a situation where when one side of the ball gets better, the other one takes a step back. That's my concern. Yep. is can the offense make that jump where their defense either maintains or also gets better? Because I'll say this, Ryan, and, and I've said it before. If the offense – and I, I want to get your thoughts on this, Ryan, if you agree or disagree with me on this. If the offense plays the way that you and I think it can and the defense just repeats what it did last year, at worst, Notre Dame is 11-1, and one, at worst. Okay. And if this past year, if the offense would have played the way that – we think this upcoming year's offense would have played. Their name's 12 and 0. Oh, yeah. They're in the in playoffs for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Agree 100%. Agree 100%. Because that, that was – I mean, Brian, that everyone knew that that was the stickler to the program last year, man. It was like the defense was going to keep you in the game, and the offense was just kind of kind of fizzle a little bit. Like, I mean, that's kind of – like Ohio State, for instance, right? You held Ohio State to 21 points in that game, man. And you only score right. score ten, like that's that's right. where it is, right? I mean, twenty one points per game against Ohio State, you should be able to win the majority of those football games against a team like that. You should be able to win those games. You yeah. definitely aren't going to lose to Marshall because you're going to score forty plus against Marshall if your offense is good. Last year, you're going to score at least. I mean, what did they score against? What, what was the score against Stanford? Was it like sixteen fourteen or something? Some yes. Garbage number like yes. that. It's like you're going to score 30-plus against Stanford if your offense is good last year, at, at minimum. You're, you're at least score scoring points. 20 if you play like crap <laughs> in your offense is what it's supposed to be this year. Yeah. It was so inexcusable. It just so, – it's so, the weirdest game I've ever been at, right, too, Ryan. It's so like, this I think, is the I, weirdest game I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, and I, I so I think that if the offense is good as we think it could be last year – I think that you're going into that USC game undefeated last year. That's what I think, right? And then the conversation is going to be shootout against Caleb Williams and USC. Like that's going to be the conversation. I think Notre Dame could have won that game though too. I do, I do. Yeah. But that's that's where they're at least undefeated going at that USC. I'll say this: game, if you have opinion. Sam Hartman at quarterback this past season, you probably beat USC. Yeah, that's at least that's at least you're in a breath at the end. Yeah, yeah for sure. That's what I, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, it's it's going to be fun. I just. I just really don't want them to take take a step back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We have kind of a comment slash two-part question here from MT41, right? Okay. And MT41 says, this is no disrespect to Bodie Cahoon, but I don't understand why this is one of the guys Al Golden is zeroing in on. He looks like a nice linebacker, but not a difference maker. I think it was Ryan that said that the staff compared him to J.D. Bertrand. J.D. is a good linebacker, but we need to fill the linebacker room with the Sneed, Jalen Sneeds, Nolan Ziegler's, uh, Jay Nosberry's. Do you guys think I'm completely wrong here? Completely wrong? Not completely no. Wrong. No. Not no. Completely wrong. You're not completely wrong. Look, Ryan, I'm not a – you actually, I think, like Bodie Cahoon more than I do. A little bit. He, he's Not a like nice player. He's a yeah. good depth player. But here's the deal, folks. This is not a very good linebacker class nationally. It's just not. You just signed two really good linebacker classes in a row. You've got to find a kid that you think has an upside. And you've got to be sometimes be willing to take a flyer on this kid. The other thing that I would say is, is where does Bodie Cahoon rank in the linebacker class that Notre Dame signs? If he's your one or two, it's a problem. Yeah. If he's your three, okay, you're taking a yeah, flyer. Exactly. And then recruit some dudes next year. But if you're get Kingston Viala Viliamu Asa, yep. and Cody Sullivan, Cole Sullivan, and Bodie Cahoon, you get one surefire top hundred kid and two projectable kids that you're hoping pan out. Yeah. It's not ideal, but you're still getting a top hundred linebacker. And you're getting some kids that you think have higher ceilings in a year where it's just not a very good linebacker class. And there's another linebacker that Ryan and I think they could have landed if his grades were better. There's nothing Notre yeah. Dame can do about that. There's nothing yeah. Notre Dame can do about that. And he's a top hundred caliber kid. There's nothing they can do about that. Nope. You know, Peyton Pierce, obviously that 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 that's a loss, right? But Peyton Pierce isn't like he's not a Sneed and Osbury or a Ziegler either. In my opinion, he's a top 150 to 200 kind of kid who doesn't have the ceiling like that Nolan Ziegler has, yep. or especially doesn't have one that, that Jalen Sneed and Jay uh, Nosbury have. So who who is that guy that right. that you would rank there? It's just not a very good linebacker class, and the and the good linebackers that that are out there are just not in very pro Notre Dame areas or can't get into school. That's a legit, and I don't use that academic excuse very often, Ryan. You, I don't, but no. in this case. It's a fact. Yeah. It's a it's a real thing. It's a real yeah. thing. I mean, and also, I mean, bro, we have to look at the classes around it too, right? It's like you just had back-to-back great linebacker classes. So if your linebacker class in 2024 isn't quite as good, it's understandable, man. Like you're you're there, right? I mean, but, but I think also when you look forward, in my opinion, Brian, there are some 2025 linebackers out there that are dudes. So, yeah, if you have back-to-back classes of 2022, 2023, a little bit of a down year in 2024, but then you come back with a strong 2025, you're good to go, man. I mean, you're good to go. It's It'll be okay. I, you, you talked about, you know, there was an academic – there was an academic unfortunate, unfortunate circumstance with one player, right? They took their shot with the Darius Hayes. They didn't land him. Okay. They have, a, they have an official visit from Aaron Childs that's going to come up in June. Yeah. Like, maybe you make a move with him. I don't know. But ultimately – 
can we just let this work itself out a yes, little bit? Because I'll, I'll say this too, Brian. I would be shocked if, and I'm not going to say Bodie Cahoon, but like if a Cole Sullivan, for instance, because he was like 6'3", 200 pounds last year, right? If he bulks up this, this season and he produces like he did last year again and he takes a step forward, what's to say that he's not a top 150 to 200 kid when it's all said and done? Like what's to say that he can't be, right? right. So you could be looking at the end of like if you have a top 150 to 200 kid in Cole Sullivan if he takes a step and you get Kingston, then you're like, all right, man. Like sure. we're, we're good there. We're fine. We're, right. like, we're good, you know? So I don't know. You know – Isn't this exactly where we were last March at receiver, right? You know, you 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 realize that you weren't getting Cardinal Tate. There was a couple other guys on the board that that people we thought that Notre Dame had a good shot with, and they ended up you know not getting those guys and fading with those guys around this time last year. Yeah, they had only recently offered Jaden Greathouse. He hadn't even visited Notre Dame yet. They had only Ryan. recently really started making a push for Braylon James. We kind of felt about this time a year ago that they were going to get Braylon. But I had no thought that they were going to get Rico Flores a year ago, and I had no freaking clue who Caleb Smith even was a year ago at this time. At at this point, I mean, Brian, like even backtracking a few weeks before you started feeling good about the Braylon James stuff, right? Like there was one point that you were just like, man, like, you know, maybe they need to grab Malik Elzey, right? Like maybe that's the guy that you need to get, right? Because like you don't know where things stand with some of these wide receivers. And then fast forward a few months, you're like, wow, you got Jaden Greathouse, Braylon James, Caleb Smith and Rico Flores. Rico Flores had an offer before Coach Stuckey got there, right? But the other, I, Braylon James had an offer, but like they weren't heavily pursuing him. They weren't, right? But they weren't, but like you were not in a good place with any of those kids. And any who did, of them. Who did we think? We, we were sure, certain that Notre Dame was going to land Rodney Gallagher about this time of year. Ago. Yeah, yeah, man. They were going to get yep, him. Yeah. Right. And, and so that's why we always say, man, we haven't said it enough lately. And, the, and another guy we were confident they were going to get is Ronan Hannafin. So yes. the two guys we were most confident that Notre Dame was going to land that shit last year, they didn't get. Yep. And they ended up getting guys that we at this time of year go, you know, Braylon James maybe, but I, I mean, Rico Flores was Georgia, Florida, or Georgia, Ohio State a year ago at this yep. time. Yep. You know, Notre Dame was playing catch up for him a year ago. So it just let the process play out. Let's you see no, how it goes. You had no idea that Jaden Greathouse would be interested in Notre Dame this time last year no. pretty much. Like no, you had, you're hoping to get him on campus. Right. Yeah. It, that didn't really heat up to like April. I yes. think he visited for like the blue gold game and, you know, you were, they were making a move on him. And I remember you started feeling optimistic, like, man, if they have a good, a good visit here. And then he had a great visit and then Notre Dame became hard to beat. But, you know, that's the thing, Ryan, is, is let it play out, right? Like let it play out. Now, if, if they end up signing a, a, a recruiting class where Bodie Cahoon and Cole Sullivan are your one and two, we have, we have. That's a, a problem. That's a problem. We, we agree hundred percent. Right. But like somebody on the board yesterday was like, well, they're only recruiting Bodie and Cole Sullivan. I'm like, what? That's oh, Brian, there, nonsense. There, there were this this long there was this long post on the board about each position on who the key targets were or something the other day. I'm just like, that's not factual. That's not factual. Right. That's not just went down well, it, man. Well, like, there's a reason to be concerned about linebacker recruiting. There's no sure. question. But at least be accurate with where they are. They are going to have an official visit from Aaron Childs. Brian, have you seen Aaron Childs? Have you watched this film He's, recently? He's very good, man. Yes. He's a top 100 to 150 caliber linebacker. He's a very good football player, in my opinion. Two services have him ranked 57th overall. I yep. I tend to be closer to them than I am with on three, who has him at 233. 247 has him at 120. ESPN has him at 57. I think Aaron Childs is in between the 247 and ESPN slash rivals rankings. He's a top 100 caliber kid to me. 
Is yeah. Notre Dame, if I were to predict today, would I say Notre Dame's going to get him? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. But yeah. he does have an official visit set up, and yes. I'm not putting it past Marcus Freeman. A lot of y'all didn't think they were going to get Jay Nosbury a year ago at this time. Let's 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 not forget that part either. Yes, a lot of people so, don't believe that. <laughs> right. A lot. And yeah. and you know, so let's uh you know, let's let's kind of let's kind of pump the brakes a little bit on on this doom and gloom stuff. If it ends up being that way, then trust me, we will discuss it and 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 we will hold their feet to the fire. But y'all are getting upset about stuff that that isn't even like a real thing now. You know, like Look, put, Ryan. A year ago, two years ago, Jaden Sneed, Jalen Sneed only had an offer for two months. Yeah, and nobody thought they were going to get Jalen Sneed two years ago. At this time, so you know, let's just um, let's just let it play out. And if yep. they don't get those guys, then we'll discuss it. But I think there's this notion like Bodie Cahoon is like the top target on the board. It's just not accurate. It's not true now. It's just not accurate. And Ryan it's is player, related. It's a player they like, for sure, right. but like it's not, yeah. Amongst yeah. other players that they like. Exactly. Exactly. That, that's why you make a board, a board, not a one slots, right? right. Like, Because here's what happened, Ryan. If they yeah. didn't bring these kids in and they were just pushing for the big guys, the same people complaining about say, you guys are putting all your eggs in one basket, man. If you, You're not even lead for this kid. If you don't get this guy, you're screwed. And then if they don't get those players, Kingston goes somewhere else, Aaron Childs goes somewhere else. Yeah. Peyton Pierce goes. No, now you guys are scrambling. You should have had. A, you should have expanded the board, et cetera. I mean, that's exactly where we'd be. And and that's the frustrating thing is they're recruiting. They're putting a board together. Now, yeah. are there questions? Does Al Golden got to do a better job? A hundred percent. Hundred percent. We've been very critical of that. Yes, very it's March. It's yeah. March. Let's let it, let's 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 give Marcus Freeman and Chad Bowden a chance to do what they do before well, we freak out. Well, and my, and my and a little bit of this conversation too, Brian is I saw Brandon just said that he has a, a fear of settling in the chat. And you know that obviously I respect mm-hmm. Brandon because he follows yeah. recruiting very closely. But yeah. my my only question to Brandon would be: If this was Brian Kelly led team, I understand the settling right. thing. When has Marcus Freeman settled though as a recruiter? Right. Like when has he and settled? So that's last my question. I checked. Bodie Cahoon and Cole Sullivan haven't committed to Notre Dame. Exactly. So, uh, but again. I don't think y'all need, are, are taking enough into account the fact that this is a really down year at linebacker right now. Yeah. It, it's a really down year. Yeah, I, I just I just don't like the settling thing. I just don't think it's fair to this. Day. I mean, Brian, literally there was a kid that wanted to commit in 2024 months ago, and, and their game had to be like, you can't commit, man. Like, it's, right. it's Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like that's happens. Notre Dame has literally like reevaluated – past commitments that they've had for certain sure. players you know like that that's happened so i i just don't think yeah, yeah. I, and i get it brandon brandon to say start for the bk or i get that man i get Joe it medina get said it. it too man it, it, it bk ptsd still I a thing man i think i get it i get it i'm concerned about will linebacker recruiting be as good with marcus freeman not being the linebackers coach i have a that's a legitimate concern legitimate concern it's just it's march though yes. let's see how it develops Right. Let's just see how it projects first before we we have a panic attack on that one. Agree. All right. Here we go. From Domer Grizz with Rocco's heavy feet. How does he compare to Kane Madden? Oh no, wasn't that the issue for him too? Are there other similarities, differences between those guys? At least Rocco Spindler still has time to improve. Well, there's that. I mean, we saw That's- a sixth year version of of Kane Madden. Rocco's still a sophomore. Number one. Rocco's a lot bigger than Cade Madden was. Rocco's 6'4", 325. Cade Madden was like maybe 6'2", 
right. What was his official weigh in, Ryan? He, he ever... was like he was like six two and an eighth or something, and like yeah. three oh three three ten something like that. But yeah. the heavy feet thing is a legitimate concern. I mean, it, it is a very similar concern. Yes, absolutely. But by the time Rocco's a sixth-year senior, he will be ahead of where Kane Madden was. Agree. Is Agreed. he ahead of where Kane Madden is right now? Well, I don't think he is. I don't think he's better. Because at least Kane Madden at this time of his career, Marshall was a fundamentally sound type of player. He lost his fundamentals at Notre Dame a little bit. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's a concern for me. That's a concern. The heavy feet are a concern. But Rocco's overall talent level, length, size is a better profile than what Kane Madden brought to the table. 100%. And he's, he's definitely young. Yeah, he's definitely more talented than Kane was. I think the other I think the thing that people are going to compare the two with Brian aside from like the heavy foot issue thing that we keep talking about is that they do play similarly, right? Like they're very much like they want to play in a phone booth. They want to play in tight spaces. They want to be physical with you. Like that so their styles are I guess similar-ish, but I agree 100%. I think Rocco is definitely a more talented version. Like there's no I'd doubt. I'd be about willing that. to bet you that Rocco's way ahead of where Kane was when he was a true sophomore. I'd be oh, willing to I, bet you that. I think Kane was a walk-on originally, so he, was. he would be 100% he correct. Yeah. Yeah, he was. He was. Let's get to some more here. We, we do have a super chat here from Charlie Weiss's last belt loop related to the conversation we were just having. And Charlie says, Ivy, you guys are correct. I'll let it play out. My only my concern was Bodie saying multiple coaches calling him a day. That was concerning, but trust Freeman. Um, can I just say this, Brian? A slight correction there, Charlie. Multiple coaches have been calling him a week, not per day. Right. So I just want I don't want it to sound like it's quite as frequent as that sounds. Just want to put that out. There. The other thing is, why are you assuming that here's the issue that Charlie's having? He's arguing from a lack of evidence, in my opinion. He's taking one article. And assuming that that's the only guy it's happening with, Notre Dame is calling Peyton Pierce a lot. I don't think it's yeah. going to matter, but they're calling yeah. him a lot. They're calling Kingston constantly, yes. as much as legally allowed to do. That why do you think Aaron Childs just called Notre Dame up on a Tuesday? Hey guys, I'd like to visit in June. You guys cool right. with that? Yeah, sure, Aaron. Whatever. I don't think we're doing anything that week. Go ahead and come up. Right. Or have yeah. they been recruiting this kid that they're behind on hard? in hopes of getting him on campus. And if you get a kid on campus to meet with Marcus Freeman at linebacker, you got a puncher's chance. Yep. And so that's my whole thing with your comment to there, Charlie, is you're arguing, you're assuming that because in an article about Bodie, Ryan didn't follow up with FYI, for those who are going to freak out about this, they're also calling other guys this often. Right. This is just respect. This is just related to Bodie Cahoon. Like that's the problem I have is you're assuming it's not happening with other linebackers. And one thing that, Ryan, you have been saying lately is Al Golden is upping his ethic. Now, I ha I don't love – guys, I'm not defending linebacker recruiting right now. No. All I'm saying is if you're going to be concerned about it, at least be dealing with reality and facts, yeah. not your paranoia. Or, or arguing from a limited viewpoint. It's like right now it's like that old expression, right? Like – you know, you're seeing something up close and you're not backing it up and you're like, wow, this is a much bigger thing than I thought, right? And that's my issue is you're just saying, well, Bodie said that, but isn't that what you're supposed to do? Here's our board right. of seven guys. We got to recruit all of them like they're the dude. Yep. Otherwise, we're going to miss out on the top dudes and then we didn't give enough love to those lower dudes who are getting recruited by some really good schools for all the anti-Bodie Cahoon stuff. Have you seen where that kid has visited lately? <laughs> Yeah. You know, like, and, and I'm Tennessee not super high on the kid, right? He's a nice linebacker. He's a good yeah. player. He's a, 
he's a top 300 caliber guy, borderline-ish, you know, 300 to 350 caliber. He's got some tools. He's also a kid who's never fully committed to football. Nope. You can't ignore that either. But the kid just made a the kid just made a visit to Tennessee, man. Like yeah. you know, there's clear, and he has an offer from Tennessee. Tennessee. They yeah. offered him in February. I think they offered him before Notre Dame did. Yes, about a week before Notre Dame did. So, you know, let's just let's just chill out a little bit before we before I, we I, panic too much on that. And, and again, I think it, it all goes back to the Brian Kelly thing, man. People hear that the guys are getting called multiple times a week. They're like, oh my God, that's a top target. It's like, right. do we know? I mean, just for some context, Charlie, like on a real real serious note here, I interviewed Kingston, Viliamo Asa, who everybody loves, and, and who's a great player, obviously, out of St. John Bosco. Brian, he has four coaches that reach out to him consistently. Well, Chad Bowden, who's the director of recruiting, He's got Al Washington, who was actually the lead recruiter for him at Ohio State originally. He's got Al Golden and Marcus Freeman all calling him constantly, right? Like right. that is – they're putting an effort on other guys. It's not just Bodie or or, or Bust. Like yeah. that's not what it is right now. Yep. Yep. All right, let's go back up here, Ryan, to uh, go from Rob Osgood. Rob says, where does Notre Dame rank as a program? Play the big three this year. And I will tell you, to be honest, Notre Dame is now is now at a crossroads. The question is, will they break through and make others notice or not? This year is it. That's a very fair point, right? I, I wouldn't I, I think it's a little I think there's a little I agree with the first part or the second part. And I agree with the first part. The middle part, I think, is is over is being a little overly dramatic. I don't think Notre Dame is necessarily at a a crossroads. Mm-hmm. Yet, I think the 24 season would be that if Notre Dame's like nine and three this year. I think the 24 season would be that if Notre Dame's not minimum 10 and two this year, I'm concerned. This roster is really good, yes. But to his point, Ryan, if they're 10 and two and they went one and two against USC, Ohio State, and Clemson, you have to ask yourself, are they any better than what they were? Because that's what Brian Kelly did beat everybody you're supposed to, maybe get an upset of a good team, but then you lose to the other good teams. Yep. And when you consider the fact that this year they have two of those three teams at home, it's like, you know, yeah, you, I'm sorry, you should be better than that. But I don't know if I'm at like it's a crossroads period. But I think the first point, Ryan, is very fair. How they do against the big three on their schedule is going to go a very long way towards determining how they're viewed. And and if they go two and one against those three teams, then we're getting into, well, what if who are the two wins over? If you beat Clemson and USC but lose to Ohio State, I don't think that ha- carries the same weight as if you beat USC and Ohio State but then lose in a close game to Clemson. If you go on the road and lose a barn burner to Clemson late in the game and Clemson's a lot better and they're a top-five team again, people are going to respect that because they're going to say, hey, you've beat Clemson a couple times. We know you can beat Clemson. They just got you at their place. It's a hard place to win. Very fair. But, man, you beat USC and Ohio State. Yeah, That's going to move the needle because you beat Ohio State. Whereas Going two and one, but beating two teams who you've beat multiple times in the last four years doesn't move the needle perception-wise the same way a win over Ohio State does. That's why we answered that question last week, Ryan, I think during a mailbag, is of the three, which is the the, the biggest – I can't remember the per, the specific premise, but it was like, what's the most important of those wins? And it was, it was Ohio State, clearly. Yeah. Because that's still the needle-moving one that you just – you and I have one Notre Dame tradition in common. Neither of us has ever watched Notre Dame beat Ohio State. True. <laughs> uh, they've only played, I think, in my lifetime four times. Well, no, now it's been five times, but still five times they have, they've yet to win that game. Yeah. And most of them weren't even competitive, at least not in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, 
I think this year is going to say a lot. I'm just not ready to say crossroads yet. The only way they're at a crossroads, Ryan, is if they go like eight four again. Then, sure. then you could say that, but I don't think this year, just in and of itself, is is that, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think that I mean, people. Somebody made fun of me on the message board the other day, Brian, saying that Ryan has a thesaurus, Ryan has a thesaurus, and pillar pillar games is one of the new. Sure, man. Yeah, yeah I, I'm just joking, obviously, but yeah. those are the pillar games, though. Those are the three games where you look at it and say. Is Notre Dame taking a step forward to being one of the elite in college football to the next step, right? To rise to that level. Those three games are the indicator. And I agree hundred percent, Rob, like we need to see what the results of those games are. Cause I think that tells you a lot about what this team is. You know, if, yeah. if they go, if they go nine and three and then beat somebody handily in a bowl game, but they lost to all three of those opponents. Like I don't feel great about that season at all, man. I don't feel great about it at all. But to Brian's point, if you go two and one, you lose one close game to maybe a Clemson, and you go eleven and eleven and one, and make a playoff run. Then you feel like you're like you're moving there, right? Like you're getting to that level type of thing. So those are the pillars. Those are the three games that I will be having my eyes closest on because those are the games that should we just talk about BKPTSD, didn't we? Like that's where my BKPTSD lies is that they don't win those games consistently. Yep. We got to see it. We got to see it. I mean, we can talk about it all we want and how their roster stacks up, but at the end of the day, on Saturdays this fall, they got to win those games. From Tristan Paul, super, super chat, chat from yeah, yeah, from Tristan Paul. Thank you, Tristan, very, very much. Yep, thank you, sir. Said, let's dream here and say Notre Dame wins the Natty this upcoming year against Georgia in the final game. How far up your rankings, if at all, do they move up? I think they'd pass Clemson for sure. Be- and here's why I say that. Most likely for Notre Dame to win a natty, they're probably going to need to beat Clemson. That would make Notre Dame, what, three and one against Clemson in the last four years. They jump yes. in and they would then match Clemson for titles in the last five. Because remember, Clemson's first title is, was outside the window of what we're looking at now, five years. They've only got one, and they're pretty close to that second title being outside of a five year window, right? So if Notre Dame wins a title this year, they definitely pass Clemson. If they beat Ohio State, I think they pass Ohio State as well because that's that's the one thing Ohio State doesn't have is a title in the last five years. They haven't won a title in almost a decade. Now, of course, Notre Dame is a lot longer than that, but we're working the assumption that they they win a title this year. And if you talk about beating Georgia, you'd now have wins over Ohio State, Clemson, and Georgia, and maybe USC in the same season. And then who, who was their semifinal win over? Uh, that vaults Notre Dame up to me to number three e- easily. They're not ahead of Georgia because yeah. Georgia has two. And in recent history, Georgia would still be two and one against Notre Dame. Yeah. So that it would vault them up to three. I, the best you could say is two, but even one titles to me, not vaulting them past Bama, unless Bama just falls off the face of the earth this year, which I don't see sure. happening. So yeah. I, I think it, I think it would vault them up to three, Ryan. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. The Clemson thing is really interesting too, Brian. Because if we're doing this, if we're doing this, this game a year from now, right? We're talking about that five-year window. The 2018 national championship would now be out of that window, right? For Clemson, so it started at 19. Yeah, exactly. So that would also change the formats and the formula to that decision as well. So yeah, I think they. Yeah, I, I think that they would vault potentially even over if Clemson. even if you keep 18 in the window. Yeah, unless they make it a six. The track record for Notre Dame is still as good as Clemson's, and but the trajectory is now better. Yes, and 
Notre Dame would own the head-to-head, which you guys made the argument. And it's a valid argument about why Michigan should be ahead of Ohio State. Why? Head-to-head. Well, if Notre Dame beats Clemson this year and wins a title, they're now 3-1 and one the last four times they've played Clemson, all in the window. right? And if you keep the 18 window still in there, then they're 3-2 and two against Clemson. They still have a winning record against Clemson if they beat them this year in the last six years, and they'd be able to match Clemson for number of titles. Yeah. So that's, I mean, I, and, and they're trajecting in a better position if if this were to happen. So I definitely think they would be there. I think the, the case could be made still a little bit about Ohio State, just the overall track record. But again, you'd have a you'd have a win over Ohio State. You'd have a title, which Ohio State doesn't have. I think it would vault them past them as well. And, and you easily pass Michigan. If I were to assume that, let's just say, agree that I – so – we're ranking the teams, Ryan, based on me, you, and Josh's top tens put together. Based yeah. on that, Ohio State or Michigan would be ahead of a Notre Dame because you two had Notre Dame ahead uh, behind and I had Notre Dame ahead, but we were all five and six. So if we were doing it like a top 25 poll, Michigan would be higher. If Notre Dame wins a title this year, they easily pass Michigan. Would you agree with that? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I and think I, they would be third. I, I think they'd be a solid third on the list yeah. if they if they win a national championship yeah. this year. I would agree. The only way that they can pass Bama, in my opinion, is if Bama goes like eight and four, <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, Saban's done. Yeah. And even then, if we're talking about a window of five years, Bama still has a title. Yeah, in a year where they beat Notre Dame, you know. So hey, that's twenty. That's twenty. That twenty twenty team was ridiculous. Right. Also, <laughs> that was a great right. team, man. But great you, team. you'd. I'd be curious to see how the season plays out for both teams before we're talking about Bama, but just right now with the class that Bama just brought in, because, you know, earlier I said there aren't more than five teams, in my opinion, that have better classes than Notre Dame. Bama's yeah. is one. Oh, 100%. That had yeah. a better class than Notre Dame's. So, yeah. you know. That Bama, I, that Bama class was silly, man. Was silly I have a really hard time seeing Bama falling off enough to where they're not in the, still number two, Shoot, if man. we're being honest. If that if that freshman class they have come in and stays together, man, Alabama's yes. gonna be pretty good. <laughs> yes, yeah, Keely and Caleb Dowds and those I, boys. I, like, here's the question I still have, Ryan. Quarterback. Yeah. If Dylan La- if Lonergan doesn't stay with football, I have a big question mark about their future quarterback. I do. I'm just not a huge Ty Simpson guy. I'm just not. He's a good player, but that Ty Simpson could have won a title for Bama easily from 09 to 15. But now that they're such a offensive-driven team, they need that big-time quarterback, and I just don't know if he is that. Like, put it this way, Bama doesn't win a title in 2020 with Jacob Coker at quarterback. Sure. I don't think they win a title in 2020 with uh, John Parker Wilson or uh, what's the kid they – not John Parker Wilson, uh, uh, Greg McElroy. Oh, I think A.J. McCarron they'd have won a title with. That team was really good. A.J. was a good quarterback. I liked A.J. McCarron as a college quarterback. He was very good. He was the best passer of the three guys we talked about by a mile, in my opinion. But I don't think they win one with with uh, Greg McElroy or Jacob Coker because they're built different than they were then. They were run the ball and great defense back then. Their defense isn't very good now, relative related to what they were in the past. So that um, that would be the reality of it. It's a good question, though. All right. Let's get to another one here from uh, Carlos Gorzat. Carlos says, not sure what it all pertains to, 
But what are your thoughts on Notre Dame hiring a general manager? I heard Marcus Freeman mention it in his presser. Well, what he said is they're not going to hire a general manager. He said they're looking for a director of player personnel. That was more of a Jack Swarbrick thing. I think there's merit to having someone who is there to help organize all of the entities that are there. But here's my big thing. Your analyst and recruiting staffs are not big enough to need a general manager right now. If Jack Swarbrick wants to have a general manager, then it should also come with an expanded staff, uh, expanded off the field staff, more analysts, bigger recruiting. Give Chad Bowden more resources. Could you imagine what Chad Bowden could do with recruiting at Notre Dame if he had the resources Bama and Georgia and Texas and Ohio State had towards recruiting? Could you imagine that? No. It'd be absurd. So you don't need a GM. There's not enough depth outside the program, outside the football staff, and people to need a GM. You just don't need it right now. If you want to give Chad a deeper staff and expand, like Chad needs like a transfer group. He needs like three or four guys working under him that deal with transfer portal. And, and that he needs people under him to deal with high school and camps and visits and all that kind of stuff. You know, you need analysts that are involved in those things as well, a deeper analyst staff. And that way the GM can kind of make sure everybody's working in the same direction at the guidance of Marcus Freeman then sure, we can do that. But just right now, just adding a GM, it's unnecessary. It's creating another level of bureaucracy where one is not needed. And, you know, to me, the other thing too is the GM needs to be 100% a Marcus Freeman hire. That's my biggest concern with the way this whole thing has gone down with Marcus saying, and he never said that to me, but Jack saying that, I'm worried that this is an attempt by Jack Swarbrick to thrust another one of his guys into the football program. I could see him doing some crap like making Dave Poloquin the GM or some absurd thing like that. You know what I mean? And that's just him getting his people so he can have more control over it. It needs to 100% be who who Marcus Freeman wants as the GM and trusts the GM. Then I'd support it as long as it came with an expansion of other aspects of the program. Yeah, we we definitely don't need a power struggle on our hands, right? Like definitely don't need that. That is, yeah, that would not be the recipe for success there. But yeah, I mean, it was it was a weird vibe though, Carlos. As far as I mean, we talked about this though the um, the presser where Coach Freeman was just like, I I have no knowledge of a general manager. Like it's just the director of player personnel position that they're talking about. So we'll see as at, at what what happens with that whole conversation, but. You know, for now, I, I think that me and Brian see this very eye to eye in the sense of like, let's strengthen aspects of your program and make right. sure that's unified. Like, let's do that, right? Like, that's the key for me. Absolutely. From Josh Buffo, the motivational business banker, Notre Dame's signing Justin Scott helps them sign the <laughs> X recruit and why. I be home for best Notre Dame football coverage. Thank you both. That's I, interesting, I, can, one, Josh. Can I say something real quick? Yeah. It just reminded me, and I meant to say this being the show. I had the coolest experience this weekend. I'm up best football coverage. It just reminded me of something somebody said. I had a chance to speak at a, uh, a function this weekend. It was the Notre Dame Club of St. Joseph Valley, and it was on campus. It was in Morrison. It was me and Pete Sampson and Pete Byrne were part of this uh, panel where people asked us questions. And me and the other two speakers, the two Pete's, were at this table, and Ann Rockney, Newt Rockney's granddaughter, was there. She's very nice, very sweet, um, very courteous. You could just tell the passion she has for her grandfather. She had family there, and the first time it had been in Notre Dame. That was all really cool. 
And then she came up to me after the show and she goes, basically is like, I can't believe I didn't recognize you. She goes, I listen to your show all the time. And she says, but I didn't recognize it. Let me guess. It's because I didn't have my hat on. And she goes, that's exactly it. And, and uh, she's so nice and so kind. And they went and laid a wreath at his memorial in South Bend because he's actually buried in South Bend afterwards, which was really cool. I didn't attend that, but it was just really cool. But it was just really cool to kind of see the Rockney family still has a passion for Notre Dame and what uh, Newt Rockney. And they were they made the point too, like it's actually the the they said this at the thing. The correct pronunciation is Canute Rockney. I was like, I'm sorry, I can't do it. I've been calling him Newt Rockney my whole life. I'm just going to call him Newt. But it was a really cool thing. But to have Newt Rockney's granddaughter tell tell me that she watches our show was just part pretty cool. That, that was a dope, pretty man. cool pretty cool thing. But uh, I just wanted to remember that because I wanted to say thank you to 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 Anne and uh, just for how kind she and everybody else was when we were there on Saturday. And and I hope she's listening to our show. So it was a pretty cool deal. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. So back to the question, Ryan, is how does yes. Justin H- Scott help them sign X recruit and why? It's interesting, uh, Brian. I mean, I'm just kind of like thinking through this one a little bit. I, I think that it, I mean, overall it just makes it, if I'm a defensive player, right? Like let's take an Aaron Childs, for instance, right? If I'm an Aaron Childs and I'm on like the. I, the, I was going to say, Ryan, we just talked yeah. about who it would help them get. Yeah. Like what linebacker doesn't want to play behind Justin Scott, right? Like that's kind of where you are with it. If I'm a linebacker, I'm like, Wow, you got that massive humanity in front of and on the defensive line. That's pretty dang cool, man. So, I mean, Kingston, Aaron Childs, like it, it would probably help with both guys in that regard because linebackers' best friends are the defensive tackles up front that are going to keep them clean, keep them clean, and make them happy. So, yeah, that's kind of where my thought goes. But I, I honestly, Josh, like it's not quite as impactful as a quarterback, right? Like with what CJ Carr brings to the table as far as like the the outside perception, but for defensive players, you bet your butt that if they see a Justin Scott coming on board as a five-star defensive tackle that Georgia wants pretty badly, they're going to look and be like, wow, it's, it's pretty impactful, man. It's very impactful. Yeah. They were able to keep him home. I think it, I think you nailed it, Ryan. There's two things that impact signing Justin Scott. And that is per, from a perception standpoint. It, number one is, it's the perception of signing a five-star, obviously. Number two is you beat Georgia at a position that nobody beats Georgia at. Now, granted, it's in your backyard, which is why you need to get them. Sure. But I think it would be a per- big perception thing, and, and it could be the thing that swings Kingston and Aaron Childs to Notre Dame. There's could no be. doubt. It could absolutely be that. And But I think where it would really help them is in the Chicago area in 25. I think it would help them a ton with like the Nathaniel Marshalls and the Taylor Taylors and the, and the, uh, the Christopher Burgesses. I wrote an article about that today, Ryan And Chicago used to be the home base for Notre Dame. And we've talked about this and it's just like, it, it just hasn't been for years because a, for a while there, there just wasn't enough talent in Illinois in Chicago. And when we say Chicago, we're talking about like Chicago and then like the, the 30, 40 minutes outside of Chicago, like, and, you know, yeah. right. Lake forests and the Geneva's and stuff like that. 
but it's changing and Notre Dame was slow under Brian Kelly to react. They should have got back into Chicago a lot earlier when there was the, you know, the, the Caleb Browns and and the guys like that, that were coming up, they should have had a more impact in the area then they were late and it is what it is. Marcus Freeman has worked to change that. And Tommy Reese visited Chicago, like how many times? And it wasn't just to see, it wasn't just to see uh, Justin Scott. It was, Hey, yeah. this is an area we need to hammer. And the 24, you already got one Chicago kid that's a top 30 recruit, top 50 recruit now in Cam Williams. That was huge. But it's like, okay, you get Cam and you get Justin, the two best guys in 2024 in, in Chicago. That then makes it easier for you to go back in next year and get Nathaniel Marshall and Taylor Taylor and maybe yep. a Christopher Burgess. If in a two-year stretch, you're able to sign Cam Williams, Taylor Taylor, Justin Scott, Nathaniel Marshall in a two-year class, you just got gap closers from your backyard. Yeah, And that's why I think Justin Scott is is not getting him may make it a tad harder to get those guys. But if they get Justin Scott, I think it's a lot. Then all of a sudden I think that him and, and – because it's not just Justin Scott. It's Justin Scott and Cam Williams in yes. the same class. And all of a sudden that pipeline yeah. comes back, and that will be Let's, big for Notre Dame. Let, let's not forget about Cam Williams, man. Right. Please, let's not do it. He's a consensus top fifty recruit in my opinion. I, well, he's not yet, but he's he has risen up Close. those rankings. And two of them have. I mean, the, his lowest ranking is like seventy fourth, something like that. Yeah. yeah, Brian, I would be shocked. And I said this before the bump happened. It was kind of during his junior year. But if Cam takes another step as a as a senior, I would be shocked if he's the top receiver in the twenty twenty four class when it's all said and done. Man, I really wouldn't be because he has some incredible tools to work with so yes to your point it's not just justin scott you're potentially getting two top 25 to top 50 players in chicago in 2024 it's justin scott and cam williams i think ryan wingo has a little bit higher upside but not by a ton and i think cam williams is a better receiver right now than ryan wingo so i don't think he's that i mean he was a good player with a high we gave a four and a half star upside as a sophomore but his jump as a senior, and we started to see it at, at the Irish Invasion last year. I was blown away with how much better he was at Irish Invasion last year compared to what he was as a sophomore on film. And kudos to Notre Dame for getting on him as soon as they did before. Because if they'd have waited till like late, the, Brian Kelly's staff probably would have waited uh, yeah. for Cam Williams to push for him because they didn't push for local kids. They always waited on local kids. But what they what they did was this staff, and by then, all of a sudden, Ohio State's on them, Georgia's on them, Bama's on them. You know, the, all these schools are on them. Notre Dame got on them early, so then the blow up happens, and he's already committed to Notre Dame and locked into Notre Dame. That was important. That was very very important. So yeah. I thought that was that was big. Yep, that was really really big. All right, let's get to some more here, Ryan. Next question is from Archer four five two. What state is the most important for Notre Dame in recruiting in the next three signing classes? And I, are you guys about twenty twenty six recruiting right now? Are you doing this to me right now, sir? Are you doing <laughs> this? He's talking about twenty four, twenty five, and then twenty six. But yes, yeah, let's just yeah. in general. Yes, in general. I mean, I, I think that what's the most important? Man, that's such I, a I, tough I, question. I'm going to say it. I'm going to yeah. say it. It's Illinois. And, and here's why I say that Notre Dame has to have success in Texas and California and those states. But if they can't right. lock up their, their backyard, then it makes it tougher. And here's what I mean by that, Ryan. If you're able to lock up your home base with dudes 
and I think you and I would would say that the disagreement's not far off. If I were to make this, I believe that there's four top 50 overall recruits in the 24 and 25 area from the Chicago area. Four. And if you can get four top 50 caliber players from your backyard, then it it means that you don't have to work as hard and here's the thing, right? At very important positions that you don't often get from your backyard, receiver and D line. Yeah. Those are huge positions. Now, all of a sudden, you don't have to get four guys from Texas. You only need one. You don't need three guys from Florida. You just need one. You don't need five guys from Georgia. You just need two. You get what I'm saying? So, like yeah. in the past, you had to go down to Florida or Georgia or Texas to get a Justin Scott to get a Cam Williams, to get a Nathaniel Marshall, to get a Taylor Taylor. And because those guys are now in your backyard, you have to, have to, have to land them. You have to have a 100% success rate with those four kids. And then if you can add a Christopher Burgess on top of it, great. And that's the thing is because you saw it with Charles Jagasaw last year. You've got to be able to lock up the best players in the state of Illinois. You have to because it's ascending. That's such an important piece to this, Ryan. And so that's why I say that if you have, to, if I can only pick one state, that's the state because you're get, you have to be able to secure your home base. And Chicago is closer to Notre Dame than Indianapolis is. That's just a fact. Right. And so that's why I'm going there. Doesn't mean that Texas isn't important or California is not important or Georgia is not important or the mid Atlantic or Jersey or whatever is not important. It just means if there's one state that I have to rank at the top because of the uniqueness of the talent coming out of those two states in the next two years, I'm going to go Illinois. That's fair. That's fair. It's it's such an interesting conversation for Notre Dame though, because it's like such a national brand that like you want to touch a few different states every year, right? Like you want to touch it. Texas was the other one that popped in my head just because I feel like you're creating a pipeline a little bit in Texas. Like you already had four in 2023. You have one already, you know, hopefully you're able to trend with a couple other guys in 2024 and then 2025. There's a bunch of dudes that Notre Dame already offered from the state of Texas. So I think Illinois makes total sense, but uh, yeah, man, I think that I think you make a lot of great points there. So I, I would honestly say Illinois or Texas are the two teams for me. I mean, two States for me. Yep. Here's one from David Lowe. David says, Brian and Ryan, why do y'all think Brian Kelly will never win a natty at LSU? They recruit excellent and he stabilized Notre Dame and is a great coach. I, I number one, I did he stabilize Notre Dame, really? Like they played a weak schedule. He he went like 40 something to know against ranked opponents, and they had a 500 record against ranked against unranked opponents, had a 500 record against unranked opponents. Sure, he stabilized it to a degree. What are the big wins that you're hanging your hat on in Brian Kelly's 11 seasons at Notre Dame? Brian Kelly did a very good job at Notre Dame. Brian Kelly's a top 10 football coach, but he's never been what Notre Dame fans have made him out to be, in my opinion. And he has as many five loss seasons as he has 10 plus win seasons at Notre Dame. Right? I mean, so yeah, he did a good, he did a very good job. He did a lot of good things at Notre Dame. But when did he ever show at Notre Dame he's a national championship caliber coach? When can you guarantee me he's ever going to have a better roster at Notre at LSU than he had at 2015 at Notre Dame? Tell me. When's that going to be? Yeah. When's he ever going to have – I mean, look, he may have guys as explosive as Will Fuller. He'll never have one more explosive. He'll never have a linebacker as good as Jalen Smith. I promise you that. Because you know who else hasn't had a linebacker as good as Jalen Smith the last several years? Everyone. Everyone. 
You know what I mean? With all due respect to Devin White, he wasn't Jalen Smith. And so, you know, to me, when's LSU going to have three first-round draft picks on this offensive line and a second-round quarterback and a third-round at running back? And, you know what I mean? Like, go on and on and on. And he wasted that team. And the competition is up now. Do, do I think Brian Kelly is going to win at LSU? Do I think he's going to have a bunch of 10-plus-one seasons? Yes. Do I think Brian Kelly is capable of beating Bama and two and the SEC title game and two playoff games to win a championship? No, I don't. Why? Because there's zero evidence he's that he's that guy. Well, I, I the people people always bring up, and David didn't do it in this comment, but I saw it in the chat at some point. Brian, there uh, people always say Ed Orgeron and Les Miles won national championships, so why can't Brian Kelly? I think that's the main feedback that people kind of throw at you. Which, like, I'm like, okay, I understand, but I also think in yeah, this is my opinion, and it's it is based upon sub pass, though, right? Sure. That Brian Kelly just went t- had won ten wins in his first year. He had to work very hard this year because his program was in shambles, right? Yes. In a year or two, is he going to be as driven to do that? I think there's some complacency that could set in because why? Because we literally saw complacency happen at Notre Dame at certain points. So, to your point, Brian, I just I don't buy it till it happens, man. I right. don't buy it. I just don't. I don't know if he's going to ha- be as like urgent to get this stuff done consistently year in year out. It's yeah. not easy for LSU to easy. win a title. They have to beat Bama, yep, beat Georgia, and then win now two playoff games in an expanded playoff. I just he's never shown me he's going to do it. And for me to believe that Brian Kelly's going to stay engaged in the recruiting trail for the next several years, and when he loses yeah. coaches, is going to replace him with better coaches. There's no track record of that in my opinion. And so I don't, he was a very good coach, very good coach at Notre Dame in a lot of ways. He also had some things that he did that held the program back. And so until he shows me he's past that, I'm just not going to believe he's going to win a title. What I have not said that others have said is that he's going to be a failure at LSU. I think he's going to be a failure. I just don't know how long he's going to be able to last there because he's such a unicorn and how quickly, see, here's the thing. LSU fans won't be nearly as patient with Brian Kelly as Notre Dame fans were because they had imagine if Charlie Weiss would have won a title in 05. Do you think Notre Dame fans would have been as patient with Brian Kelly after his first five years when they went eight and five, eight and five, got blown out in the title game, went nine and four and eight and five. He's out. He's out. And But it was because of how bad the program was when he took it over that they were patient with him. Sure. Like there's If if Brian Kelly were to go, let's just say the rest of his career at Georgia mimics what he did at Notre Dame. He doesn't make it past his sixth year. No other program would allow a coach to go four and eight in his sixth year and keep him. Or set, was it seventh year? So 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, seventh year and keep him. He only had two 10-plus win seasons in his first seven years. That's it. He doesn't make it to year eight at those schools. That's the difference. Right. Now, I think he's going to be better at LSU early than he was in Notre Dame because as big of a mess as LSU was, the transfer portal has helped him. If there was no transfer portal, that LSU team last year would have sucked. Oh, yeah, they would have been in trouble. And without. it wouldn't have been his fault. It would not have been his fault. He'd inherited yeah. a terrible situation, and it would have been similar to what it would have been worse than what he did his first year at Notre Dame because he wouldn't have inherited a roster with Zach Martin, Manti Teo, Tyler Eifert, Capron. I mean, the long list of NFL guys he inherited from Charlie Weiss. Charlie couldn't coach, but Charlie could recruit. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, that's why I don't think he's going to win a championship in Notre Dame. 
So, and stabilized Notre Dame does not equal championship. And Les Miles' championship was because of what Nick Saban had just won one and what Nick Saban built for him, right? I mean, that's that's Brian, the other part too. Brian Kelly moved the floor up for Notre Dame, but there was still yeah. a cap on it. Like that's just kind of where we were at with it, in my opinion. It's a good way of putting it. He he yeah. he raised the floor. That's a great way of putting it, Ryan. Raised the floor, but the the cap, he also but he also brought the ceiling down because he kept talking down the standard. Yeah, there that won't fly at LSU. From Josh Buffo, the motivational business banker, how much longer can Jimbo Fisher get away with scamming these universities to pay him big salaries to pretend he's a coach? It's very obvious he's not. Uh, hey, man, that's a great question. I mean, he's going to have to win soon because the longer he's there doing what he's doing now, the less that buyout hurts. He I, should be given his. He should buy his agent a new car every year because that's the <laughs> only reason he's still employed is because of that crazy buyout that he has. Don't quote me on this, but I was talking to someone that's kind of in the know from like the Texas A and M side, Brian, recently, and I kind of asked a similar thing of like, you know, when would be the window to get him out? And I think they said two years still, man. Like it would have yeah. to still be two seasons from now with what that buyout looks like. Because I just don't think Texas A and M is going to eat that money, man. Like they're just not going to eat that money. I don't think so. Oh. I think they're going to have Jimbo for two more years regardless. I really do. Yeah. If I will say this. If their season this year is as bad as it was last year, they'll raise the money. You might consider out. it, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think they will. I think they will. But, yeah, it was um, it was, it was, was not – it was ugly. But, the, hey, they beat LSU. Spanked LSU. Right? They so, did. I mean, so <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Another one from Josh Buffo, the motivational business banker, said, which true freshman quarterback has a better chance of starting the season, Nico or Dante? Dante. I, it's Dante for me, easy. Like, oh, it, yeah. And it, it's no it's no shot at Nico, but Nico's a kid that's more of a developmental kid, right, Josh? Like, he needs to be developed over the next couple of years. And, like, I'm not a Joe Milton guy, Brian, but Joe Milton is certainly more talented than Colin Schley, Oh, right? Like, yes. certainly more talented than Colin Schley, yes. So And Dante, Dante to me, is yeah. a better player than Nico as well. Nico's 100%. got the better arm strength, but Dante has much better arm talent yes. than Nico. And there's a difference between the two. So, yeah, it's uh, to me, it's it's Dante easily. easily. Got yeah, a big I, super I, chat I, here from Kay Grant, too, Ryan. We we'll nice. appreciate that very much, man. Yeah, Craig. Okay. He said, thanks for being the best. Everyone go join the message board. That's thanks, great sir. advice. That's yes. great advice. I, and I cut you off as I was bringing that up, Ryan. What were you going to say yeah. about the Dante Nico thing? I, I was going to say that I think kind of the window for is Colin Schley maybe starts like one to two games, and you're like, okay, Dante, you're good now, brother. Right. <laughs> in there. He, so, he'll he'll be to to Dante what Todd Helton and uh, what was that lefty's name that Tennessee? Um, the, yeah, oh, goodness gracious. You know what I'm saying? Because the, the left, what, the left, because the other guy started right, and then he got hurt, and then Todd right. Helton played, but then he got hurt, right. and then Peyton Manning yes. came in, right, or something like that. That yeah. Todd Helton, the one for yeah. the Rockies, yes. Uh, who who was it? Jerry Colquitt? Is that who? No, it wasn't that. It was '94. I, I know the year before that they had um, what's his yeah. name? Yeah, it was Jerry Colquitt. Is who it was. Okay. He came in and got hurt like in the first game against against uh, UCLA, like. First game of the year was against you, so he got hurt like at the very beginning of that. And then Todd Helton came in, and he wasn't any better. <laughs> and then they they finally trotted Peyton out there. But yeah, Todd Helton, the first base from the Rockies that year, passed for four hundred and six yards, two touchdowns, and three picks for uh, Tennessee. It's pretty crazy, yeah. man. Two for four hundred eighty four yards in his career. 
Four and then he has a uh, borderline Hall of Fame major league career, which is wild. Yep. So, yep, pretty wild, pretty wild. All right, that's a uh, yeah. Dante's the Dante's the pick for me. Here we go, right? Yep. From Benjamin Karchi, I love the YouTube shorts that have been coming out on the Notre Dame channel. I feel like Notre Dame could use that more to show practice highlights and get people pumped for this season. Your thoughts? I mean, I, look, I've said this before. I think Notre Dame need to be needs to be doing a lot. They, 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 I've said this. Look, man, they should have highlight videos coming up from each practice. The shorts are fine. They need to be putting them on all their channels. They should have much longer highlights. I mean, they should be like a minute and a half to two minute long highlights, promoting their players, uh, doing more things to get the message out about what guys are doing. I mean, look, we've seen one clip of Braylon James smoking Ryan Roberts and or Ryan Roberts, Ryan, Ryan Roberts. He, he could also smoke, smoke Ryan Roberts. Yes, he yeah. could smoke yeah. you and I both. Uh, smoking Ryan. Well, jo- jokes on him. I pay twenty yards off. Try yeah. smoking now, brother. <laughs> he'd, still, he'd still run by you, cuz with Sam Hartman throwing him the ball, he'd still run by you. Uh, you know, but but like, and people are fired up about it. One clip, and people are fired up about it, right? Like, there's so much, especially in IL era, man. You need to be doing more and more and more to promote your kids. I've said this before. If they don't have a mic'd up video coming out of every single practice with a coach or a top player, they're doing it wrong. The shorts are fine, whatever, but they need to be doing a lot more. And it's a it's a missed opportunity for them not to be. If you're not going to let us be there and get the word out and put the highlights out, you need to be doing it. And, you know, that's um, that's kind of what what kind of bothers me um, with how they're how they're doing it. I love YouTube, man. How sustainable is that thing, Brian? Like they've just been around forever and no one can still beat them because it's like, oh, you guys right. do the the memories and like the, and you know, all that type of stuff. Well, here's a YouTube short brother and we'll yeah. just keep up the pace. And yeah, it is fantastic. Jay Wick said Ryan pulled a hammy covering Braylon. I'd have pulled I a hammy never, in my I, stance. Y'all. I've I'd never have, pulled a hamstring in my life. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I, Nope. I don't accept that. I might, I might, uh, I might pull something else, but not a hammy. Yeah. Don't, don't agree. Yeah. I would, I would pull a hammy whether I actually hope pulled a hammy or not. Hey coach, I, uh, you, you got to take me out on this one, man. Let, I, I'm with somebody I'm, else. In. I'm trying to envision this in my head, whether I should play 20 yards off or should I should just try to press him and just hope for the best. I'm not sure which one would be the better idea yet. But. Yep. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs>
I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.